All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Can't lose during an open date time. Lots to work on, though, time. You know what? We're going to keep the spirit up time. So what's the alternative? Well, most Jim says you can beat the open date. There you go. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in the house. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, clockwise here across Fort Rucker Studio. Hope everyone out there is having a good Thursday morning. Unless it's Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, Friday morning. Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Anytime over the weekend, whenever you're listening to this. We're happy that you're doing it. We're here to keep you company since the Tennessee football team can't this weekend. That's true. And usually they're bad company. Bad company like the uh, like the old band? I don't know. You know I don't know the answer to that. <sighs> of course you don't. Guys, uh, every bye week kind of is its own thing. Sometimes, you know, you make the argument, does it come at a good time? Does it come at a bad time? I think we can safely say that it, it probably came at a pretty good time for the Tennessee football team because everything uh, has been a tough slog for this team, really. Uh, one decent performance against uh, an FCS team and then three games that two should have been wins, one should have been a, at least a much closer loss. And here are the Vols at one and three going into the meat of the schedule. They got a, an open date this week, then followed by next week, uh, number three, Georgia fresh off that win against Notre Dame in a bye week itself. We'll come into Neyland Stadium, and Tennessee will host Mississippi State the next week. And the week after that, they go to Tuscaloosa for the annual bloodletting against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fellas, I think something that was really interesting happened Wednesday afternoon. Jeremy Pruitt's only real press opportunity with with us this week other than the the SEC teleconference, and, and he said that Tennessee, he thinks right now this football team 100 times better than it was this time last year. Now, this time last year, if I remember correctly, and I think I do, there were still talk about a bowl game could happen for this team. Everybody was feeling pretty optimistic. Um, Then the bye week happened. They came back, got a couple nice wins, uh, and then things fell apart. But to sit here and say that this team at 1-3 and is 100 times better, I think I get why he's saying it. And in some ways, in some positions, I think that's 100% true. but it's hard to – I don't know if that's the right thing to say because that's naturally going to lead to people saying, well, why the hell are you 1-3? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come across as trying to spin what people are seeing with their eyes, which does not say that this team is 100 times better. But I think what he's saying is that this program and this team has a much better feel for everything it's doing is working harder, has bought in more, all those things that that maybe you don't see perfectly in year one that get better in year two, they're doing those things better. And they've shown some signs, I think, of progress. They're playing better at times on the offensive line. You know, you see progress in spots, but the problem is... Four guys out of the five played winning football, Jeremy Pruitt said, against Florida. Which which is a major step in the right direction. But when when you think about it, I mean, Jarrett Garantano at quarterback, big difference, four turnovers and or four interceptions in four games. He had three all of last season. You know, you lost all your defensive line from last season. So there are tangible reasons you're not as good 
as you were last year and that and that you're off to a one and three start you're making a lot of mistakes as he pointed out you're losing the turnover battle in some games but it just doesn't add up and so I, I get what why people are not going to like that comment probably but at the same time I, I also sort of get where he's coming from because he probably does feel the program is on much more stable ground in terms of what players are doing every day and, and doing things the right way. Yeah, I mean, if you, you compare to where they were last year, at this point, they after four games, they were 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They'd lost to West Virginia and Florida, each, I think, by 26 points, and then they'd beaten ETSU and, and UTEP. So really, the, you could say the Shout difference. Shout out UTEP. Really picks up. Picks up. Uh, really, really, the difference is, is that Georgia State game, because that was the game that they won last year. And I don't, I don't even know how much better Georgia State is than UTEP at this point. Um, but it, it, part of Pruitt's answer was basically we got to stop turning the ball over and we got to create more turnovers. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, I think Tennessee for the season uh, is plus one overall. So if you look at that, you're like, oh, that, that looks good. Then you see that they were plus five against Chattanooga, and in the other games they're minus four. The games they've lost, they're, they're total minus four. Yeah, when, so, you, when you get three against Florida, that should be a turnover and, win, and it wasn't. And they had, I think, three against Georgia State. They had four against Florida on, on their own, and, and those are just – interceptions and fumbles those aren't you know missed fourth downs that, that that Pruitt likes to throw in and sort of combine those into some sort of mm-hmm. like mega turnover stat but I mean that's the reason I mean this this team is is better and, and yeah I mean you wouldn't come out you, you wouldn't expect Pruitt to come out during the, the open day and be like you know what we suck we're terrible we're not getting any better we don't have good players you wouldn't expect him to say that so you know is he trying to be positive a little bit yeah probably sure um, but he probably does feel that this that this team is better and is still moving in the right directions even though the uh, the results obviously haven't haven't borne that out. I mean, if you go back and look at the box score last year, uh, it took Florida 30 minutes and 16 seconds to get a 33 to three lead. Yeah, uh, and this year it took 60 minutes roughly to get a 34 to three lead. More so, or less. Yeah. yeah, six turnovers against Florida last year. Four turnovers against Hashtag Florida this year. So hey, maybe maybe this time next year only two turnovers. And I mean, I don't know. I don't. It's hard to judge because you don't have a quarterback. It's hard to tell where your program is, what your football team is, uh, when you don't have a quarterback and, and your quarterback is slowing you down as much as he is. Th- that's, that's the thing that's baffling to me, and, and we're going to talk more in, in the second segment about you know some specifics about the quarterback, what they're doing this week that's different. Um, but I think we can separate those conversations and just talk about this now. What to me is so just so baffling and so disappointing is that at any – I don't know that at any point last season – against any decent team Tennessee ever had more than two offensive linemen play a pretty good game. Uh, And to have four play winning football against Florida, for the tight ends to play winning football uh, against Florida, uh, for the wide receivers except for the one dropped by Jawan Jennings play winning football against Florida, you see that a lot of guys on this team have gotten better. Look at, for instance, Theo Jackson. Not even remotely the same player that he was last year. He's he's helping create turnovers. He knows where to be. He'll never be an All Star. He'll never be an All SEC player. Probably never be an All American. But he's turned into a pretty decent safety. He's and, been their best safety yeah, this season. He, he's been a guy who who's been really their their rock in the defensive backfield. He's he's been the most consistent guy back there. Uh, you see some of these things, but despite all that better play around him offensively, Jarrett Garantano has regressed. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why. Because this is a guy who a few times last year played winning football for Tennessee. Not just good, played really well. He had some games where he played really, really well. Uh, And for everyone else around him, for the most part, to improve. And then for him to suddenly become a guy who can't connect passes 10 yards away from him with regularity. uh, 
I don't know how that's happened. I don't know what happened between his ears um, because he's healthier now than he was last year too, by all accounts. None of this makes any kind of sense. And that's why I think these two things can be true. Most of this team has gotten better, but it doesn't matter because the quarterback on offense and the free safety on defense and Nigel Warrior have regressed. And that so makes it hard to win games. You're putting it all mostly on those two then, huh? I think offensively, I don't know what else you do. But I'm saying defensively, uh, that's that's a lot to put uh, on uh, Warrior. Offensively, I, I think the offensive line, he, he may have said they played better, but they had 88 rushing yards, I think. Right. Or, or they, they didn't run the ball, really. They, they kind of gave up all the they time. They, 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 get, they were they, chasing the game, though. Yeah, but even when they, I mean. They put Maurer in and didn't really they, run the ball much when he was yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, so. they, they uh, you know. I don't. I don't think their offensive line played. Uh, that I don't know if that was their best game. I, I, you know, they ran for 250 yards on BYU, which is fascinating though, because Pruitt said and, and, and Florida's Pruitt, defense Pruitt had, said they've never had four guys up front play winning football until that and, game. And Florida's defense didn't have Jabari Zuniga, and they had one other guy, Jonathan Grenard, and he he balled out. I mean, he he was all over the place. They took so stuff. many passes. Yeah, I mean, and, and he had a sack, tack for loss. I think he forced the fumble on Eric Gray, mm-hmm. where he got right in the backfield. Um, and so, I mean, you just. I still think the offensive line is spotty at best, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you can't you can't call a game if you're an offensive coordinator. I don't I don't care if you're Bill Walsh back in whatever you know '80s '90s whatever it was, or Jim Chaney now. You can't you know your you your offense is in trouble if you don't have good quarterback play. So I think it's it's or even decent. It, it's fair to put a lot of the blame on on, on Garantano and the other quarterbacks, but um, it's not it's too again it remains too simplistic to say oh that's the only reason and, mm-hmm. and defensively they don't have a pass rush they can't rush with just four mm-hmm. so you can't just you know it's not just one position or one thing when and i've said this before when things are this bad it's not just one problem with one simple solution there's a lot of different things that, that tennessee has to fix and uh and they've got a chance to sort of focus on themselves a little bit this week to try to do that yeah i don't think it's unfair i think I probably did say too much about Warrior there because they do need a pass rush, but he has regressed, and that's concerning. And I'm not saying he's been better. But but, but offensively, some film that you watch from that game, there were several plays where it looks like almost everyone else on the field has done their job, and the quarterback botches a play. And that happened way too often against Florida. It's happened way too often in other games. And I know that pressure comes with that position. I know that this is a, an amateur athlete. This is not a professional. I get all of that. Um, but this is the SEC. You're the quarterback, and there are responsibilities and, and things that come with that. And uh, I don't know any other way after watching some film. I don't know anything else to say other than he's gotten worse and his play has cost them big time. Big time. Well, I mean, there's a lot. He there are other guys not th- that are inconsistent, but he's been darn near consistently bad in some games. Well, let's be clear: the backups aren't really any better so far. True, either. True. So they, it's not just it's, him. They don't have it, any better it, options. And people want to know why Garantano went back in the game against Florida is because Maurer struggled. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the reason. Now, I, I I did think one thing was interesting: Garantano. So last year, their best game on offense was against Auburn. And it was when they were, what, taking shots down the field. I don't know that we saw Garantano take a shot down the field aside from an overthrown 15-yard pass to Dominic Wood Anderson that could have gone for a big well, game. Well, a, a few plays after that, he stood in the pocket and hit uh, Jennings on that 19-yard out. Right. On and, a and third, th- third yeah. and 15 while he was getting crushed in the right. pocket. 
And it was like, okay, that's the kid that beat Auburn last year that right. stood in the pocket and took those shots and steal through touchdown yep. passes. Well, what I was getting at is that just the lack of consistency in what they were doing because you saw Maurer take some shots down the field and then throw them out of bounds right. down the sideline. And so it's interesting. We, we don't know yet what kind of deep ball thrower he is, but interesting they took shots. And maybe it was just decisions he made, but for Garantano not to get chances to throw the ball down the sideline to a Callaway or a Jennings. Well, he's not getting those chances because teams are playing him a different way. Yeah. I mean, last year it was bringing a lot of pressure because they couldn't block anybody. They're not letting those receivers beat him. This year it's it's all four-man rush dropping seven, mm-hmm. rushing three, dropping eight. That's, that's I think, all four of Tennessee's sacks uh, against Florida were against four-man rushes. I know and, both of them against Garantano were. Um, and, and that's how Georgia State played them. That BYU played cover three on them. Um, that's just how teams are, are playing Tennessee now. And They're people probably he, know that if you play in that way, he'll check down a lot of times. And or then you not get to go the tackle the guy. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you're, you're forcing him to either try to tuck it and run when he's that's not what he does, or he, or he checks the ball down and you go go tackle the guy for a minimal gain. I mean, and and that's that's smart once you see that maybe Tennessee's a little bit better in the offensive line, a little bit better in pass protection. You say, hey, we're going to make this quarterback make throws, and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to leave our cornerbacks on islands with these receivers because these receivers are arguably Tennessee's best players on offense. So we're not going to let you're not going to let a team's best beat you. You're going to try to exploit their weaknesses, and I think that's what Tennessee's doing. And I think that's probably why, just to clarify, why they're not throwing the ball down the field more. That's probably the biggest reason why. I don't think it's a, a, a philosophy if, change if, or anything like that. If you're coming out here on a Monday or whatever day it is and saying it's in, Wednesday, in, Grant. in the press conference that you're it's Thursday, Grant. For uh four offensive linemen are playing winning football, then you need to spend the <laughs> it's Tuesday. You need to spend the two weeks of the bye week getting as creative as you can in the run game because it's clear that your quarterback's not gonna be a guy that's uh gonna win the game for you. Uh yeah, that's the only answer I can like think you, of. You have to run the football better because your quarterback play has been so bad. I, and I thought that would be the game plan more against Florida. I thought they would really almost stubbornly stick with the run game, knowing that might be a low-scoring game, but to, to see them kind of get away from that and I guess turnovers somewhat dictate I mean, the biggest that. thing that could help them right now is a little bit of ball control yeah. and something that finding something they could do consistently because right now it's either turnover, three and out, get off the field quickly. There's no sustained drives. I mean, th- yep. there's some chunk plays here and there. There. They took uh, took advantage of some stuff against BYU, uh, but it feels like there's there's no consistency, like y'all talked about on offense. And then you're throwing your defense back out there, and, and they can't get a rush with four guys. That's the big problem, uh, I think. The defensive backs obviously are struggling, and and even regardless of the rush, that Florida game, it felt like there was nobody within ten yards of receivers. Uh, you can, you can drop back defensive backs, and surely you can have guys closer than they were. I mean, it felt like they were playing seven on seven. Uh, and there was nobody in the area. Yep. Yeah. What I think offensively is, if a def- if defenses keep playing you a certain way, it's because it's working. And Tennessee has got to do something to make defenses change the way they play them. And the only way that they can really do that probably is to run the ball better. That's one. Or, or number two, find ways to get the ball to the receivers quickly and have them kind of beat guys and go downfield. But that that's not what Tennessee's receivers are really built to do. They've got that physical kind of power forward build, throw the ball downfield, let them get going, let them go get 50-50 balls. They don't really have that kind of quick twitch, smaller receiver who can make a lot of guys miss and do things like that. They just they, – you know, Tyler Bird's not going to – hasn't been that guy. And obviously a guy like, um, you know, Jordan Murphy, we saw that that, that – how that ended – uh, he gone. You know, Jacquez Jones, we'll talk about those guys also later. Gone. Also gone. They just don't have someone who can do that. So you know what they've tried to do? 
they have tried so hard, and Jim Chaney has, they, they work on this thing every day where they throw that swing pass, and what it does is with all those, it's so simple. When they're dropping seven people back, what do you do? You get the ball to a player like Chandler in space going forward, and you let him make guys miss like he did against Georgia last year and other people and make a big play. Uh, but what's happening is they're not completing that pass. They're having a hell of a time throwing a swing pass. And if they can just connect on that pass, they're going to make plays because that's one way they can get people out of that drop seven. If you keep getting the ball to Ty Chandler in space, I guarantee you teams are going to have to to make an adjustment to that. So they're trying the right things, but they're not being executed. So at that point, you pretty much have to say, well, going to keep trying this even though it hasn't worked or going to have to figure out a way to get creative and run the ball better. Whether that means having a couple series there where, where Mauer's in there and he runs around, whatever you got to do, do something. Because I, I know I don't, it seems so unfair to put so much of this on one player, but I don't know how you don't do that. It's the most important I, position maybe in all of sports. And he is, um, he's not getting the job done. Now, there's a question to be asked here. Is he still the best option they have to win? And let, let's be fair about this. Breaking down the numbers, Against Florida, the passer rating, Jared Garantano, was twice as good as Maurer was in that way. So he might still be the best way to win games. And people might have to just get used to that. Or do you say, you know what? I've seen the limitations this guy has. I'm not going to be able to get where I want to go. So I'm just going to take some lumps and go forward. That's, that's, that might be where they are. But I know this. There's a couple of upperclassmen on this team who have either got to one play better or two, get out of the way, or else they're going to be in the same cycle because we've seen how this goes. How many times do we have to see the same people do the same things before you say, that's just who you are? I mean, is that, is that, is that too harsh? No, it's not. I mean, you are what, you're, what you put on film, as they say. The, right. the tape does not lie. The, the player that's out there is, is the player you're being. And Pruitt said after the game they need their best players to play better. I'm sure he's talking about Garantan. I'm sure he's talking about Nigel Warrior. I'm sure he's talking about Daryl Taylor and uh, even Daniel Batuli too. Um, they need some of those guys to play better. That's the bottom line. And, um, yeah, are they going to get out of the way? I don't know. I don't, can you do that with seniors? I don't know. But um, and, and I don't know that, like, like I said, I think on our other podcast earlier this week, Wes, it's not like they have 20 young guys just waiting in the wings. They're playing a lot of these guys already. I agree. So they don't – it's not like they can just and, – and now with a couple of departures gone, they're really thin at inside linebacker. They're still thin at running back. So uh, they kind of got what they got, and they just they, – they need to develop guys. I'm talking about for public perception here. And, again, I, I kind of hate that we live in a world where perception is reality, but that's the world we live in. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask this question. At some point – doesn't Pruitt, for, for the public's sake, have to show that he's doing something different or else it starts to look bad? Yeah. I, I, I mean, even if, I don't, I'm not arguing whether that's the right thing to do or wrong thing to do. Right. I'm arguing, won't people start to go insane and question this if you keep doing the same thing and you expect a different result? Eventually. It's just one in three right now is the thing. I, I know it feels... About to be one in six, though, probably. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's my point. Yeah, that it probably is going to get worse. But in the meantime... You, 
I think I think it's been interesting to see and, and very telling to see what Jeremy Pruitt has done after each of these losses. He's he's seemed very calm in his post game comments. His, you know he's he's delivering an optimistic message uh, every chance he gets. And after, I think, after BYU, they had to calm him down a lot before yeah. he did that. Oh though. yeah, he was fuming after that game. So so I think you have to do some of the things he's doing, but it's it's telling to me because you, you you've got to you've got to make sure players and fans don't see panic in you and I think he's done a good job of avoiding that and so you've got to I mean I think right now the in some ways maybe the worst thing for him to do would be to change everything they're doing because then it does look like you're panicking and just throwing things against a wall to see if you can find something if you kind of stay the course it, it maybe looks like there's a little bit a little bit of conviction in what you're saying at least somewhat stay the course you know that's not to say you don't make some lineup changes that you don't change your, your plan at quarterback which we'll get to a little more later but you you maybe don't make wholesale changes just in an attempt to say okay let's let's see what else you know what changing up everything does so I, I think there is some logic to maybe you know actually evaluating things and still being willing to stick with guys if you feel they give you your best shot of playing because you are only four games into the season. People just want to see adjustments whether yeah. that's personnel whether that's scheme show show some tangible proof that you're trying to fix this thing which obviously it, they are because they don't like losing any more than fans like watching them lose. And that's the right word, I think, because you can make major adjustments in what you're doing with the same players, and it looks like a different team. So I, I think if you make the right adjustments, you don't even have to make lineup changes, really, to show people that you have things you know, on the right track. Yeah, if what you're doing isn't working, you either got to change up what you're calling or you got to change up who you're playing. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of cases, they're playing their best guys right now, and that's mm-hmm. that's this reality. you got to go out and get better players and develop the guys you have, and uh, a lot of these guys are still kind of new and still young and so and still inexperienced. So it's it's a process with them. I'm going to make one distinction here before we, we go to break. I, I know that when you watch some of that film, like I talked about with that swing pass, like I've talked about with some of the things they're doing defensively, they are going by the textbook on how you combat certain things. These coaches, in terms of knowing what to do out there, they know – what calls to get them in. Now, there's a couple times Pruitt's been maybe more aggressive than he should have been or not as aggressive on defense. And, you know, maybe a couple of offensive play calls are, are not, have not been the best. But I'm going to make one big distinction here. If what you're doing out there, if you're in the right call and you still don't execute it, that means you're not in the right call because you have to do something that your players can execute. If it's the textbook way, like if you if they zig, that means you zag. You know what you're doing. You know what call you need to be in. But if your guys don't execute it and it happens consistently, it's the same thing as being in the wrong call. So they have to find something these guys can do. Right. How many times do you hear a coach say, it's not my offense or defense, it's the players I have and, and molding whatever I have to yes. fit the personnel? I yep. mean, that's, that's clearly not happened at this point. And that's, that's where I, I do think some personnel changes could be in order. I mean, you, you talked about it, Wes, Nigel Warrior's struggling. Um, and and I'd, I would be very open to making a change at safety if I'm Tennessee. I, if Trayvon Flowers is ready to, to give you a, a, a more serious look there, and if he's not, and McCullough's knocking down the door too. Yeah, I mean, if one of those guys is ready, may, maybe you, you're willing to make a change there. So yeah, in some cases, I think it is personnel. In other cases, like on offense, I I, I don't feel like they've had an, a, a rhythm on offense at any point this season. No, and that's close. And and part of that's they, execution. They have, they have zero identity. When you don't execute, yeah. you have no identity. Right. So part of that's just execution, and part of it is I don't know that they know what they can do well consistently, and they've got to figure that out and maybe change up some of the. the some of the plays they're going with, you know, figure out if there's some tendency things they can change up. 
something to give themselves a better chance of, of executing more consistently. The one, the one thing I think they'll definitely do uh, coming out of this bye, I think that this would shock me the most if they don't do this. I think that pass rusher opposite Daryl Taylor is about to change because probably needs to. They have got to get something there because you know you can say what you want about Taylor needing to beat some of these double teams and chips, and that's very true because you know what people did that to Barnett, and guess what? Barnett still wrecked game plans. Uh, the best players are going to go do that. However, there is no per, there is no one. You know, Barnett had Latroy Lewis. He had other guys. On that other edge, he had a couple guys out there who could do some things on the other edge. Um, you know, I'm missing – I don't know why I'm missing the name of the other guy. Who was the other end? Corey Vereen. There you go, Corey Vereen. They had Lee Mean, Corey Vereen on the other side. You've got to have someone on that other side to make offenses worry about that. So when I watch film, you see that he might not know what he's doing yet, but Crouch is a special football player. He can get around the edge. He can make things happen. And they might have to say screw it and put him in there. He's getting hurries, and he had four tackles Saturday. He was in there more and and making. He's making some plays. He's not getting sacks yet, but he's making things happen. And I think de- that's coming though. And actually- yeah, and DeAndre Johnson. I don't think you've seen him be quite as disruptive when he's gotten chances. So, yeah, Crouch talked on uh, Wednesday. He said he he's like, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to getting a sack every game. Says he's got a, a celebration plan. Yeah, for when he gets it finally. So, uh, he's a guy that's that's playing a lot. Uh, yeah, DeAndre Johnson was a guy that some people were questioning uh, when there was all those rumors about anybody, you know, portaling and all that stuff. But he's portal, portal, he, portal. He he played a lot uh, against Florida and and was at practice on Tuesday. So uh, they're still giving him chances. Um, and I think Roman Harrison's a guy too that'll as mm-hmm. he starts to get better we'll throughout the more, season. Yeah, I could see uh, him more playing. time. I think that's fair. Guys, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back in just a second. We're gonna pay some bills. We're gonna get a sip of ice cold water or whatever uh, this uh, this liquid meal that I'm having to drink right now because that's my life but uh, we're going to take a break come right back pay some bills do all that product services etc etc hashtag I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and ads you just heard a second ago. Got the full crew in the house. Wishing everyone a good, happy Thursday morning. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan, Grant Ramey. I didn't go counterclockwise that time. I don't want Ryan to think he was being in last every time. Oh, thanks. Because if you do it clockwise, that's just how it works. Everyone's got their own assigned seat because of the corresponding volume levels, uh, which, as you can guess, probably Grant Ramey's just turned up higher than everyone else's. Uh, so, you know. It's because I am higher than everyone else. There you go. There you go. In, in, in how many ways? More ways than one, probably? Legal ways. High on life. <laughs> Just excited to be here. Depends on what state you're in. Guys, uh, Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt on Wednesday had some interesting things to say. One of those interesting things that he said, one of the most interesting things he said that we talked about in the first segment, which was that this team is 100 times better despite being 1-3. and three. Maybe the second most interesting thing he said was that he admitted that he didn't talk about who was going to get game reps in terms of what a depth chart would look like. 
He did, however, say that they are going to change up the quarterback reps during practice, which to me is a, I don't want to say a strong indication, but it's at least a mild indication that I think you, we might be entering quarterback platoon territory here. I, I think that's one possibility. I mean, at the very least, he's saying, okay, Jarrett Garantano, we stood by you. You were our guy. We've given you a fair shot. You're still in the mix. We're not shuffling you out, but we are officially opening up your job to be uh, an open competition with these true with these freshmen, uh, the true freshman Brian Maurer, the redshirt freshman JT Shrout. They can they can challenge you now, and if if one of them outplays you, we will presumably be willing to play them. So I think he's at least saying that. But you're right. I think there's there's at least a chance that you may be split playing time the way they did in the kind of in the second half against Florida. You know, they started the second half with Maurer. Garantano came back into the game. Maurer came in and finished it. I don't, I don't think that's the ideal scenario, but it's one of the things you maybe got to consider if you don't feel like one, one guy is clearly worth starting over the others. Maybe the, uh, the, the, the thing here, Grant, and I don't know what you think about this. I'm very curious to know. It, it seems like this is something where either Pruitt is, is hinting at there, there could be a platoon going forward, or uh, he could just be applying pressure to Garantano because – Obviously, not having him look in the rear view didn't produce results. Yeah. Last year, he was still having to worry about Keller Christ, uh, you know, at least for most of the season. And, and maybe, you know, maybe everyone thought he was a guy who would play better if you just had confidence in him and said, you're the guy. Uh, but sometimes guys play better with that kind of pressure on them. And maybe this is a way to get him back to the the way he was playing a little bit last year. I, I mean, in a what, a two-week span, we've gone from him standing there saying, Jared Granton is our quarterback to him saying, yeah, we're going to split reps. Like, it's kind of obvious that they're going to spend this bye week getting everybody reps at quarterback. I mean, that's that's a lot of ground to cover Oh yeah, over the course of two weeks. And, and when Patrick asked him after the Chattanooga game about playing quarterback and – And I got yelled at. He <laughs> said something about I you guys give at. you he too much credit and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, something's got to change. And we won't know the answer between the platoon or just trying to apply pressure until they trot out there against Georgia and you see how many quarterbacks they play over the course of the game and – uh, regardless of the score and situation, uh, how many guys are out there? Who's out there first? Who's out there second? I mean, and you got to kind of walk a line here because Jerry Garantano, the situation he's in, if he gets shuffled out and he's done, why? I'm not saying he's going to transfer, but what? Why right. stay? That you touched on what I was just about to say. I think I think you do still have to walk a course. Retro No, but drink. No, but you do have to have to walk a fine line here because if, yeah, if you need to walk a fine line if if Garantano left at this point or if he felt the you know just felt Tennessee was moving on from him he there would be nothing holding him back from just going ahead and leaving or, or essentially checking out and planning to leave at the end of the year as a grad transfer whatever the situation might be and that's the last thing they need because I mean the the best way to ensure that this season goes down the tubes might be to to rely on two freshman quarterbacks who maybe aren't ready right now and then you if you pick one of those freshmen what happens with the other one i mean right. you're walking into a really tough situation to manage but you also have to change something because it's clearly not working on the field and i and i didn't know what tennessee was going to do at quarterback i still don't obviously going into that press conference wednesday but i felt coming out of it more convinced that garantano is still part of the equation I think he might still start. I mean, yeah. I, uh, that's my guess. My question with his comments are um, <clears throat> during the open day, they go back to camp and spring-like practices where everybody is getting a lot of reps. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're doing that more. So maybe this is some crafty wordplay by True. 
uh, Jeremy mm. Pruitt saying, yeah, we're changing the reps up because some three, uh, we, dimen- we, some three dimensional yeah, chess. Uh, obviously, w- during the week, during the season, you're you're doing a lot of game plan, scout team, all that kind of stuff. You're working on what you're going to be doing that particular weekend. Whereas uh, in the preseason, in the spring, you're going out there to get better at football by playing football. Mm-hmm. I know, real hard, real amazing concept. But and, and the question I still have is, uh, are they giving Shroud Maurer more reps with the ones? That, that's the question, right. and I don't think uh, he Pruitt wasn't explicitly asked that on Wednesday. And I think even if he was, I don't think he would have. He, he might have said, "Yeah, he might have," but then again, he might have wanted to keep that um, during the stuff behind we saw, closed doors. During the stuff we saw Tuesday, uh, Garantano was still, you know, when they were doing handoff reps, he was still going with Chandler, which means he was with the ones. Right. Yeah, but that's, still, that, that's just that's he was just still like, going first through every drill. I mean, that's going first through every drill. Though. That's not, hey, we're an eleven on eleven hour. Come go over here and get some get some work with the starters. Right. I mean, that's that's different. And, and those guys have probably You're gotten different. Some, Your face is different. And, and those guys have probably gotten some one reps too, just because that's how you prepare a backup quarterback during the week. You give them some time with the with the first team offense, just in case they have to go out there and play with those guys uh, in, in in a pinch on Saturday. To me, I still think they're looking. I'm I'm if I were a, a betting person, which I'm not, not for ethical reasons. I just I, I'm I'm not a really a gambler. But if I were, I would think that going into that Georgia game now. What I think might happen is I think you're still going to see Garantano start, and then you're going to see something like the third series, whenever it is, you know, Maurer's going to get a, a series here or there. T- to me, I think that's that's maybe where this thing is going because uh, unless Garantano goes out there and leads two touchdown drives in the first two drives, then you then you just you roll with it. But uh, I, I think that they're they're going to have to change it up because they're going to have to try different things because trying the same things over and over isn't really working. So, uh, and George is one of those games that I think to a certain extent, even though it's in Neyland Stadium and it's at night, so you think you might get fired up and play better football in some ways, um, you almost really kind of have nothing to lose in that game. And that is going to be the first time all season, really, that Tennessee is going to come into a game with that mindset. I think that's, that's true. And I think that maybe, now I've said this before, I don't start Maurer because I don't want to kill the kid's confidence because I think the confidence is one of the best things about him right now. I love the way that he doesn't care. I love the way that he kind of honey badgers it out there and he'll run into people, he'll, he'll shove the ball downfield into coverage. Uh, you might say it's reckless. I, I kind of like the confidence a little bit, but I don't, I don't think you want to go ruin that against Georgia. But I think you maybe mix him in a little bit because that seems like maybe a way to, to kind of see what you've got. And, and it, it gives you a little bit of a change up too. If there's a game where you feel like you need a more mobile guy, Maurer's shown enough that he's, he's got some, he's got some athleticism that can allow you to get outside the pocket and, and change up some things, give, give defenses a different look. So yeah, I, I think there's something to that. And we'll, we'll, I'll say this, we'll find out a lot about Jeremy Pruitt's philosophy on quarterbacks in this situation. Some coaches are adamant that you don't play two quarterbacks uh, if you have two, you have none. Yeah, and, and some some are perfectly willing to do that. So we haven't seen this situation with him. Uh, I think it'll be really, really telling to see how he handles this situation because you're right, it's one of those rare situations where at least right now you could see an argument for, for trying both even if Maurer's not playing all that much going into it. What if you just rotate three every single snap? <laughs> Steve Spurrier style, Steve yes. Steve Spurrier style. So uh, J- Jared gets first down, Brian gets second down. JT gets third down or whatever down, uh, depending you know, on the Florida, chance. Florida did bring in, until Emory Jones toward the end of the game started playing more, they basically did go into a situation where he just came in there for a few random plays. Jones was doing the Justin Fields package that Georgia had last year is what it looked like. Yeah, so I, I think that... Now he's about to pull Justin Fields and bounce. You know, are, are we going to learn everything we need to know, um, you know, from this week and from next week's practices? No, we're going to have to wait till they get out there and play. But I think that 
at least now, I, are we all for an agreement here that it's very possible that they do something different at quarterback, whether it's a yes. small thing or a big thing? I mean, yeah. I think that that's... Now, I, I will say this. I'm Unless you're talking about half success. <laughs> hey-o. 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 What, what I was saying earlier, though, is I'm, I am... I would be very surprised at this point if if Maurer starts and is just the guy. Don't make me agree with you. Because that's that's the one scenario that I came out of Wednesday's press conference thinking that do looks you, less likely. Do you me. agree with that way? I plead the fifth. <laughs> What's that Dave Chappelle said? There are so many amendments in the Constitution of the United States. I plead the fifth. Yep. One, two, three, four, fifth. I'm gonna I, I don't. That. I don't understand why uh, you would start Maurer in this situation. I agree. You. Ha- I think you also have to walk a line with trying to not destroy a kid's confidence mm-hmm. because you're facing a, a really good Georgia team, a really good Georgia defense. Uh, you got really. I mean, you are at home. That's a good thing. But you got two tough games in Georgia and Mississippi State, and then you go to Alabama, and, and that's a three game stretch where uh, somebody's going to get humbled if you're not careful. So I think you got to walk that line too. Well, one, one thing is I think. I think the situation warrants that Garantano gets a little bit longer leash because you don't have someone really nip, or you haven't had someone nipping at his heels all off season. So he gets, you know, he's gotten one SEC game. Let give him at least another shot to try to play his way through this and get better. This is the first really rough stretch he's had in terms of turnovers in his career. Even going back to his redshirt freshman season, he wasn't bad about throwing interceptions too too often. I think uh, before we move on, talk about the the portal, portal, portal. I think that we need to. Uh, mention also that if he wants to get himself in the mix, uh, step one for JT Stroud's going to be to learn how an old-fashioned rotary phone works, uh, a landline. <laughs> um, if you now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you know maybe, he's from out there in California. That's Silicon Valley. They, maybe the phone was ringing. You know, they probably maybe something. Maybe it was making a weird noise. Yeah, they haven't had. You know, are you that telling kind of, me that sometimes the facts are not complete on the internet.com? <laughs> so you know, in California, sometimes technology gets out there faster than it does anywhere else. So. That kid's young enough that he's probably never used a phone like that. However, <clears throat> however, um, he, he's going to probably need to, to learn if he's going to be a quarterback. So uh, I hope that goes into um, part of the repetition. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a thing that'll mess with your mind. Our kid at kindergarten the other day learned about 911, and you got to call 911, and that presents a whole new set of challenges Ooh, in yes. this day and age. I was like, okay, you got to touch the phone, you got to pull it up, <laughs> you got to drag up with your finger. Yeah. I feel like I was talking to my dad. We, we, <laughs> teach him how to use because you can't you can't teach him the pa- you can't teach him the passcode. Probably so you have to use their fingerprint as one that will open the phone. No, well, you can. No, I had to teach him the passcode. Well, no, you can hit emergency. You can make emergency calls. I'm talking yeah. about an Apple product, and I'm like, okay, don't actually do this unless it's like it's <laughs> serious. And you can't just pick stand up the phone. Like, What's this guy talking about? You can't just pick up the phone to do nine one one. I was like, all right, it's not going to recognize your face, so. <laughs> Now, the only the only if it's important, only if it's important, only if only if uh, if you if you're kicking daddy for a while and he doesn't wake up, then you can try. Here's this. a segue. Does anybody know the phone number for the portal? Portal, oh. portal, portal, portal. Tennessee has had some guys go back into the portal. Now, let's say this: when you step into the portal, you may also correspondingly step out of the portal. But these guys ain't coming out of the portal. Though. These guys are probably going to stay on that one way road out of the portal. I think they're going to enter. The portal in Knoxville, they're going to exit in they're, somewhere else. They're perma portals. They're not going to go in and kind of dip their water, tippy toe in there, and then come back out like Karat Garland did. By the way, shout out Jeremy Pruitt for saying Prime Garland and not Karat Garland during his press yep. conference. Hey, that, Prime I, played pretty well on Saturday. I, I saw I saw Ramey kind of like perk up a little bit because I was sitting next to him at the press conference. Excuse me. Prime? Yeah, Garland did probably Garland did play his best game. Uh, he might be on this week's uh, Five on the Rise teaser teaser teaser. Prime, but uh, Tennessee has had some guys go through the portal. Pat, what is the portal update right now? 
Uh, well, if you're keeping count at home, there's going to be three players that are that are that are bailing. Um, uh, only two of them are in the portal as of the time we're recording this, uh, and they they are Shannon Reed and Jacquez Jones. Will Ignat, both twenty ones. Yes, Will Ignat is not in the portal uh, as of the time that we are recording this podcast. Um, but Jeremy Pruitt said Wednesday uh, that that Ignat is gonna has left the team. Uh, obviously, Ignat didn't yeah. travel. Uh, Pruitt said before the game he was not injured. Didn't really address it too in depth after the game. Personal reasons can obviously be a lot of things. Um, that's been ongoing but, for a while. Yeah, and, and and so this that really shouldn't be shouldn't have been a surprise that after he didn't travel and after he wasn't at practice on Tuesday, uh, Jones and Reed are two guys that are upperclassmen. Uh, in Reed's case, uh, his, his his departure is timely because he'll get to preserve this year because he's only played in four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones has used a redshirt year, but he I, I guess could potentially uh, preserve this year as well, given that he's only played in four. So uh, that's sort of the. The new thing in, in college football is now is like if if you're not happy with your playing time, if you're not happy with where you are, or if you're an upperclassman with a, on a team that's playing a, playing a lot of young guys on a, with a second year coaching staff, you may decide that the, that the grass might be greener somewhere else. So, uh, and if you do it now, and I have zero problem with that, and, and if you have, and if and if you have, um, you know, and if you if you do it now, you can still maybe save yourself a year and play two years wherever you go next. And I don't know if either of these guys what their chances are grad transferring, but they could be. If they're close to graduating, if they can graduate in the spring, mm-hmm. what have you, they can still <clears throat> potentially uh, be eligible to play next season wherever they end up. But yeah, two guys that weren't really playing a whole lot. I think Reed only played maybe one or a couple snaps uh, on defense against Florida. Uh, same for for Jones, who's not really been part of the receiver rotation. So uh, yeah, those those guys have left. Ignat's a guy you know started, but it, as you kind of hinted at, Wes has been sort of I want to say back and forth all all off season. But there's been rumblings with, with him and sort of what going back been, to camp and what's even been going on with that, him yeah. yeah and so um and so yeah so he, he's also um exiting stage left and 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 people will say oh they're just getting rid of cancers they're getting rid of butch jones players all that kind of stuff and that might be true but uh the short-term impact is that at linebacker now you're down to like five scholarship guys and one of them is a guy who came to play maybe safety, and now he's moved. Well, into yeah, it. you're behind your starters, Daniel Batuli and Henry Toto. You've got Jeremy Banks, who was playing running back all preseason mm-hmm. and all offseason. You've got yeah. JJ Peterson, who otherwise has not been a factor to this point. You've got Salon Page, who's been pretty much a scout team guy his whole career, and then you've got Aaron Beasley, who was a freshman they just moved, who's yet to play in a game this season. So, uh, and and the other part is, is if you're losing a bunch of guys, and we've seen this with other past coaching regimes. Uh, if you run off a bunch of guys, you can only bring in so many every year. Yep. So they can't like you know if they run off five extra guys, they can't bring in thirty. So that that's where you and I think that's can why run, and I, that and that's kind of where you can run into some trouble. And, and certainly when you when you lose guys at, at the same position, like wide receiver with you know if you want to throw Jordan Murphy and Elite Gray in there too. I mean I think Tennessee's got what maybe five scholarship guys at receiver coming back next season right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's you know. You ought to be able to get anybody you want saying, hey, you'll basically come in and start. But then um, he might say, uh, who's my quarterback? Well, I mean, well, I mean that, that too, but I'm just saying that, you Is know. Is quarterback play really that important, though? <laughs> you guys are messing me up, and I don't like it. Um, yeah, but your, your five guys coming back up receiver are – y'all help me out here. Josh Palmer, Cedric Tillman, Mel Keaton. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo Gibbs looks like you know he could still play defense, yeah. but he's he's there. Jared Means, Jared Means is the other guy, and that that's pretty much it. And so you you you've got to take you know that was already going to be a a position of emphasis for them in, in recruiting because they were losing four seniors. Now they have three other guys that have left. 
you got to replenish that position. Same without, you know, inside linebacker now. You may have to take one more guy there than you originally wanted if you had had Ignat Reed coming back in 2020. So that's how that's how these departures kind of impact things, both in the short term and in the long term. Yeah, because other than that, you're going to just to, to walk on. And, and you've only got and you've only got in, in recruiting. You've only got again so many spots. You may have to say, okay, we got to take a linebacker. Which position? Yeah, they got which s- position are you going to have to sacrifice the number that you originally wanted? They got so many needs in exactly. this class, and you can't you can't adequately fill all of them. So you just kind of have to. You almost take a, des- a best player available approach with the last few spots in the class, just because you can't. But you can't get everything. You yeah, want. but because of these, you might you know if it's between a linebacker and someone at a position, or yeah. a defensive line where you've signed nine guys the past few years, maybe you're. you're I'm still taking the. Line. I'm still taking the defensive line. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on the player, but yeah. And, and what we just described. Let's be honest about this. What we just described is one of the reasons why some of us have said for a while now that that's why uh, there was a lot of concern going into this thing that it would be a multi-year rebuild. Because the writing was on the wall with a lot of these players for a while, uh, but you have to walk the tightrope of which ones do you let go and which ones can you keep. And, and let's be real about this too: there are other guys on this team who have given thought to leaving, and they have not done so yet. Sure. Now, maybe maybe some of them still will. A couple of them have have uh, not played in every game so far, so they still could play another game or a couple games in a couple cases, and they still could uh, technically redshirt at that point. So they could they could go, and that they would they would not hurt themselves if they did that. Uh, but I think it's fair to, to note that, that this is part of the reason why this was a confusing uh, or, or a difficult topic for this coaching staff was there's guys that you want to let go, um, but you, not, you, you can't really because you're a couple injuries away from needing them. Like, for instance, right now, here's an interesting question. Let's say uh, two of Tennessee's top three linebackers are out for whatever reason. Let's mm-hmm. say one, let's say one of them has a sprained ankle and another one gets a targeting penalty. Okay, which is very easy. You're talking about one rolled ankle or one one sprained knee, and then one targeting ejection. They have to go at that point to either Salon Page the third or JJ Peterson, and that person will have to play inside linebacker unless you there's somebody else in a pinch you can move over there. That's Aaron, w- that's what they would have to do. Let's Aaron Beasley, he yeah. worked there yesterday. Yeah, the board I mean, would be very delighted to see JJ Peterson on the field. There would be there would be two. I mean, and they're just two two. Really, that could happen on the same play where you need to do that. Two guys could go out at the same time. So so you need to have a plan there. Do y'all, who do you, who do you think they would go to in that situation? I mean, uh, that that's it, I, it's a tough question. Depends on how soon. Uh, if, if you know later in the season, it might be Aaron Beasley by then um, if he can get up to speed at inside linebacker. I think he's got to stay there now probably for depth reasons. Uh, you were kind of bouncing him around trying to find the best spot for him, but now your needs you know, might sort of dictate it unless running back uh, pops up as a major need and they've got to move him back there. But for now, they're okay with Carlin Phil's and me back. But, yeah, the, there are a few positions on this roster. And let's face it, as bad as things have been so far for Tennessee, one thing they haven't dealt with is a big rash of injuries. Um, if that well, happens... You, you just jinxed it right there. Well, I'm just saying, if that happens and football says... Football you know, history of the sport suggests you're probably going to have that at some point, at least in in some small numbers, if that happens at, uh, at the wrong position, it, it can get ugly in a hurry. And you just mentioned one of them inside linebacker where they're really not protected very much. Uh, and if and you're an injury from a starter away from playing a guy who would have been pretty far down the depth chart just, uh, just a week ago. Any, anything else guys about this? I think that, that we do need to note that there were rumors that Tim Jordan would, would be gone, that those uh, rumors were, were not true because he was been out there at practice. This Grant's week. over here shook. Buff hamster. Grant, he deal yeah, with he's he, so buff. Like, he, he couldn't portal because he couldn't fit in the portal. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because he's got no neck. 
He can't go through the portal without a neck. So, yeah. He got, he got in the transfer wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, before we let you go, I know you got to step out before we do the final segment here. Why does Grant always get to bail on the podcast? <laughs> because I'm the best. Because he, um, well, because in this case, uh, there there comes a punishment with that departure, and that's that I'm going to bring up to everyone now that I think Rick Barnes called you fat this week, Grant, and I want fat and weak. I want to give you a chance to respond. Should we no? To, should we put the whole quote on? Let's put the whole yeah, quote out there. Let's not. Yeah, and this is again Tennessee head basketball coach Richard Dale Barnes, known who, prankster, who who we will, uh, you know, Grant and I will have a, a hoops podcast if not later this week, sometime next week, maybe later this week. We're we're gonna figure that out because I know that it's almost time for that. Uh, and I think a couple of questions from this week's mailbag are basketball related. But I think Pat, do you have the quote pulled? Yes, up? I do. Okay. Uh, Rick was at his um, the Emerald Youth Golf Classic. What was that on Sunday? Monday. Uh, Monday. Monday. And uh, had a little media availability, and and he was talking about he how he was impressed by the long ball hitter. We all know those of you that play golf probably know what that guy is—a guy that can just crush the ball, uh, can't do anything else in his game. But uh, anyways, Rick said he was impressed by that, and he added this, and I quote: "He was built a little bit like Grant." A little bit overweight and tries to swing at it really hard. He thinks he's stronger than he is. End quote. Oh. How does that body bag feel? Listen, Lee. You said hey, you're fat hey, and that, weak. That is pretty much my top golf technique. That, that very much is your top golf. And Grant doesn't warm up with the irons. He goes right to the big dog. <laughs> he's got my scouting report down, Pat. The three as, of us can vouch for, for the, that. Yes. Uh, as for the body shaming, um, let's just who are you going to trust? The guy that about left for UCLA, but they couldn't afford him, or me? <laughs> Yeah, wow, Tennessee fans, you be the judge. Look how shook he is. He's and, been shook all week. And and who has had to have uh, basically shoulder surgery and like a hip deal since they've been uh, at Tennessee the past few years? Is that you or is that Richard Dale Barnes? It's not me because I'm not an old man. There you go. Grandpa. We'll let, <laughs> you Grant, have some old man tendencies, though. We'll let you step out of here, Grant. It's true. We're, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We're going to come back. We're going to mow through some of this week's questions with the mailbag, which Grant gets out of because he's lazy. And uh, we will and pay not some a, Not bills. a team player. Don't forget that. Well, he's got to go eat more, obviously. I love me some me. Grant, before you walk out of here the office, if you go downstairs, there's a lot of cardboard that I've had to eat for the past month. It's in the kitchen cabinet. If you want to grab some of that to go on a diet, you can you can do Rick, that. Rick Barnes yeah. would sign off on that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Going to go pay some bills. Hey, Grant, what would you eat before uh, before you came to Taco the Taco Bell drive-thru. Let's go. Uh, is this the Go Boss 24-7 <laughs> podcast brought to you by Taco Bell? It should be. We don't know. That could be one of the breaks. could be one of the ads here. Going to do some products, services, ads, all those things. Come back in just one second and get to your questions. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and ads you heard just a second ago during the commercial break, unless you're one of those people who fast-forwards or rewinds through them, which... Again, uh, we don't recommend that you do because we like um, we like having money in our pocket. But if you do that, um, just know that there are consequences. As always, guys, uh, I would say full crew, but we don't have the full crew in the house anymore. Grant Ramey has left because he is, as Rick Barnes would say, fat and lazy. And, and weak. Yeah, it's, it's me, Wes Rucker, it's Patrick Brown, it's Ryan Callahan. And as always on the Thursday podcast, we're going to go to the mailbag. I need a sound effect for that. We need the PTI sound effects for... Like that, you've got mail. Yeah. 
Uh, we're yeah, gonna, that's what we should be. We should be AOL. It's going to start. Yeah, it's do, it's a real good business model. Doing great these days. In fact, uh, one of one person in our company who I won't mention uh, still has an AOL email address, and it makes me laugh every single time I send him. Yeah, an email. Every time. Yeah. Every single time. And I won't use his name, but you know who you are, and you know I'm laughing at you. Uh, first response here again. I think we got to give him credit here, guys. On the board, Haynes sixty two on on Go Vols twenty four seven's checkerboard said, "What is the average age of Tennessee's offensive line?" Consistency and performance. Wow. Consistency and performance. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer. We that. We actually could look that up because I think we have everybody's birth dates. Eventually, you're going to train Wes well enough to know this question's coming, and he's going to research it before we podcast. So well done, Haynes. Uh, and you can answer this anywhere on the board. How do you know that the podcast has been? posted because like we posted at different times mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. wednesday right does he have like a notification that if like there's a thread start a thread title started with the word podcast in it does he like get like a notification he's got some kind of alert i'm pretty sure of it because i mean how many minutes between when you posted the start of the thread and when he came in i mean it had to be six minutes there we go he has there has to be a six or is just a loyal reader you know six it minutes, could be six minutes is not normally enough for the first post but in this case it was so uh, we'll get to the actual questions now well played Haynes sixty two the first one is uh, true Achilles is that all right is that how how's no that it makes me pack? mad how you pronounce that word yes. you, then you say it Achilles that's exactly Re- what I said no this <laughs> this is the cool Achilles. discussion from Family Guy you're saying it like Achilles Smith Ach- Achilles Achilles heel. Question from True. <laughs> There's a guy on a Wheel of Fortune one time who pronounced it Achilles. So yes. Question from True Achilles says uh, or Achilles. Maybe it's uh, like a Y sound, like in Spanish, like a. Maybe it's a soft J. Uh, Achilles. Uh, he said, "I feel the offensive line has been leaps and bounds better than it was this time last year." Pruitt said, "This team is 100 percent better than last year," and I can see what he's saying. The whole team is playing better, but the mistakes of a few key players throughout the games are killing Tennessee. Do you all agree? Am I just over optimistic? Also, uh, at least the Vols aren't the Phillies. GBO, chop on. Yeah, shout out to Wes, who said that the uh, it's going to be a long season in the nation's capital when the Phillies were beating and the Nets back Ramey in April. Gonna, Ramey is going to bring that up. And sure enough, on Tuesday, the uh, the Phillies had their playoff hopes killed by none other than the Washington Nationals. I don't know what baseball even is anymore. I'm not talking about it last weekend. If anyone uh, tries to bring it up, I will mute you. To answer his question, uh, and we talked a little bit about this, I do think the offensive line has played better, and I do think they will continue to get better as long as they keep playing some of these young guys that haven't that don't have a lot of experience that will get more experience. Uh, Trey Smith is a guy that will get better as the season goes on. And, and even and Jeremy Pruitt said Wednesday that Brandon Kennedy is a guy that, that you know he's a fifth-year senior but hasn't played a whole lot of football mm-hmm. and he's been hurt a lot. Both at Tennessee, even and in, you know before he got to Tennessee, so he's a guy that as he gets more snaps under his belt, should get better. So you would expect that offensive line to get better. And I do think um, certainly we, we touched on some of the biggest problem areas for Tennessee, and they need to they need to address those this week, starting with the quarterback spot. I, I can't fully go along with the premise of the question though, because that almost makes. It, I mean, if you're looking for optimism and saying, "Hey, the the team's playing better," it's just a few guys that are killing them. I can't. I don't know. When you lose 34-3 to three uh, yeah. to Florida, a Florida team that's, in my opinion, still I, not that good, I can't go along with that. The, reason, the main a, reason a to be optimistic. A few simple throws would have changed the game. The, the main could've. reason to be optimistic right now is that a lot of Tennessee's most promising players and best players are guys that haven't been on campus very long. Yeah, and, and Jeremy Pruitt pointed out on Wednesday that what was the number of players uh, that are freshmen or sophomores that he, he made a reference to how many how many a first lot, and second year like players eighty percent something like that yeah it was a large number of players in the program who are I think he said eighty total are freshmen or sophomores out of the one fifteen or whatever yeah that's in. right not eighty percent yeah 
Eighty okay. percent would be a lot, but regardless, yeah, it's it's a young team, and I, th- I think they will get better throughout the season. But I don't think they're playing very well at almost any position. Question from All Vol ninety six said, "Hey, y'all, love the podcast. I'm feeling some hoops today. Uh-oh. What kind of effect will Rob Lanier leaving the Vols coaching staff have on this season and beyond? From what I've read, he seemed to be known for developing players really well. Also, well, seems like Kim English is promising, but the fact is he's still relatively young and new to coaching. Any thoughts on what he might bring to the table? Wes, you get the floor. Make it quick." Yeah, um, they're going to miss a guy like Rob Lanier because he was the right-hand man who did a lot of the head coach-type things that Rick Barnes doesn't like doing anymore. Um, basically, Rick Barnes wants to show up and coach his team and then recruit after the guys have set the table. He likes to come in and kind of mow Rivera, be the closer. Um, so they're going to miss Rob Lanier. There's no question about it. But I don't think it just throws like a monkey wrench into the program. I, I think that uh, Kim English is a guy coming in who's going to help a lot. Uh, I think Michael Schwartz is kind of right in that Rob Lanier mold of kind of being the right-hand man now for Rick Barnes. And, and I think they're they're going to be able to adjust to that pretty well. And, and Kim English uh, brings them into certain kind of geographical areas maybe they weren't in before. Uh, and I think his youth and enthusiasm uh, and, and the fact that he recently played in the in the NBA, I think that's going to help them with recruits, and I think you're seeing that now with some of the stuff that they're doing. Also, though, uh, I think Schwartz has done a great job getting them in the door with a lot of these big-time recruits, too. So I think they'll be okay there. Question from Vol for Life 94. A few questions for Tennessee football as a whole. I'll just quote the great Michael Scott. Who do you think you are? What gives you the right? And why are you the way that you are? Good questions. Ryan, Ryan Michael Scott is uh, Steve Carell's character in the office, <laughs> since you've not seen the show. I've seen... Which I, should mute, which I should mute you for right now. But, yeah, I think those are good questions. I think we've uh, discussed a lot of them, so we don't have to go into detail. Um, but the way they are is because they have had a uh, – this is what their program is until they prove it's not. This is what it's been for uh, a majority of the past dozen years, and uh, they have a, a cultural problem that they have got to fix. And well, and, and just talent. That, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do to get a team – But talent isn't the Georgia State loss reason. I mean, No, it's not. It's not. Also not the BYU reason. Um, so you and, know. and yeah, the, the ways to to get out of a cycle like this are to coach a, coach a team up to play above their heads like they did last year a couple times in beating Auburn and Kentucky to to get guys to to overachieve a little bit on the field or to overachieve in recruiting to speed up the improvement of the talent. And there's really no shortcut to it unless you just evaluate well over a, a you know a few year span and then just kind of put it all together over time question from holly a b on the board at govos 24 7's checkerboard said first off love the podcast uh, should we be concerned that tennessee's quarterbacks have regressed so seriously is it possible that chris winky is in over his head there i can't help but notice so many teams are able to get production out of true freshman quarterbacks and I think it's been made clear Tennessee's froshies are not close to being contributors. This all goes without even bringing up everything about JG. GBO, I'll hang up and listen. Good question, and I'm glad we got this one because I, I don't, I don't. First of all, I don't know the answer definitively, but I do think I've, I've already seen some people naturally kind of point to Chris Winkie as the problem. You know, dissecting his track record with the Rams uh, from when he was their quarterbacks coach for a couple of years. I don't know that we can say that, though, because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes here. And there is another guy on staff in Jim Chaney who is obviously has worked with quarterbacks in the past, and we know he's at least involved with the quarterbacks on some level. So, you know, is part of the issue here that both guys are working with them a little bit? Is there is there any disagreement over some of the things they're doing with the quarterbacks? We don't know any of the inner workings here. So, um, I think it's it's easy to point to Winky and just say, you know, is he the problem? But I, I don't know that any one person is the problem. But I do wonder why Garantano obviously has regressed 
And is that a scheme thing? Is it, you know, is this a side effect of having four coordinators in four years where he's just had too many different things uh, sort of told uh, to, to do uh, that he's been told to do over the last few years that now he just doesn't even know or he's second guessing himself or is it, a, is it a, you know, just not knowing how to use him right on the field and Jim Chaney's play calling? I don't know what the answer is, but I do think pointing to Chris Winkie and just saying he's the problem is probably oversimplifying a bit. But I'll say this too in hindsight. Were we a little hard on Tyson Helton as a quarterback's coach? I think is the other fair question to ask because Garantano threw three interceptions all of last year. And I He also didn't take chances. He didn't, yeah. And that's but again that it makes you wonder why is he being a little looser with the ball this year to where he's thrown four picks in four games. I think I, I the know. short answer to that uh, to the question is that uh clearly there is a disconnect between what they're what they think they can get out of Garantano and what they've been getting out of yeah. him. Uh, those are not even remotely the same thing. They're not even the same language. They don't understand each other at all. Uh, it's like English meets Mandarin. It's not something is going wrong there. Uh, so I don't know if it's in, in Garantano's head. I don't know if it's uh, some of the coaches. I'm, I'm sure it's a combination of things. But bottom line is they, they've got a disconnect there and they got to figure it out. And Garantano's always had his limitations, I think, and, and a staff that is still trying to figure out some of the things he can do well. You know, And, and, and this is what happens when you have staff turnover sometimes. You know, maybe they're still just trying to get a get a better feel for how to use him. And, and he's always a guy that's you know had some issues that he's had to work around or work through. And now you're seeing some of those issues exposed. And maybe SEC teams have figured out how, or all teams, after a full year of seeing his film from last year and, and a half a season before that, now have an even better idea of how to defend him too. Like Patrick was kind of saying earlier. Question from Haynes sixty two: If a full blown youth movement starts, which recruits do you think that helps Tennessee with the most? First of all, I think the youth movement is pretty much underway. Um, there's not many guys that can play more than they have to this point. You could argue that they could up the amount of snaps that a guy like Quavaris Crouch is getting, but you're already starting two, two true freshmen on the offensive line. You're playing Mauer at quarterback. Um, you're playing Eric, Eric Gray at running back. You're playing uh, you're playing Warren Burrell, who's started all four games so far at corner. Um, there are a couple other guys you can maybe play a little bit more, but not many. So I, I don't know how much more of a youth movement you can have beyond just like saying Gray's yeah, your yeah. starting running back or whatever. Yeah, I mean they they could work some other guys in there. Pruitt seems very high on Chris Apragne. Yeah, um, talking about him getting back in the groove and and he it looked like uh, during Tuesday's practice he was getting some work between Kennedy and Calvert. Yeah, which would at right guard, which would you know those those two guys have been starting the past two games. I believe so. it was Correct. reported that he had some comments somewhere <coughs> suggesting that. Uh, maybe at the he Knoxville quarterback club that Aparogan might be in the two deep before long and, yeah. and could play this year. And, yeah, and so if you, you wait know, just a little bit, you can play in four games and still redshirt. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, and that may be something they try to do with him. But uh, you, you had him add him in there with Wanye and, and Darnell Wright. Um, obviously, with the the two guys leaving at linebacker, if you are going to play other guys at linebacker, it'll be Peterson and Banks, two guys that you've brought in or that the current current staff has brought in. And then the other question for me is Jalen McCullough, who's gotten. I didn't realize how much he played against Florida. I think yeah. he played, yeah, uh, and he was in close the, to he, around twenty snaps in the at he, the end of that game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he got in there when the game was still somewhat maybe feasible to get back into. And, yeah, and, and he hasn't. I don't think he's looked out of place. Um, nope, he has not in, in either that game or against Chattanooga. So is he a guy that that has a chance to sort of audition his way but, into the lineup? And Trayvon Flowers too is a guy that is one of uh, one of the the guys for this staff that they still believe in that's been a little up and down, but just he just needs to play. I yeah. mean, that's, that's that's something he needs to do. The, that, that's sort of the qualifier to the question, though. The, the, real, the actual question was, which recruits do you think that helps us with the most? I, 
I don't know that, I mean, it depends on what position you're talking about, first of all, but I don't know that there's any one recruit out there, honestly, that doesn't think they can come to Tennessee and play right away. So I don't yep. know that it makes a huge difference. I think that's part, a part of the sales pitch. It probably has become even a bigger part of the sales pitch, maybe out of necessity because Tennessee's losing games. Uh, questions that we always hate, but that people love to ask. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it because uh, percentage questions are always tough. Uh, but question from Stallion Vault, uh, and we'll just give a percentage here each. Uh, he said, if you put a percentage on the team's woes and getting wins, how much of it do you put on the quarterback position percentage-wise? And he's, he threw out 90, 75, 60, or less as options, if that helps. Uh, <laughs> he's putting ahead. a lot on the quarterback. I'll take 60 because the first game was entirely on the coaching staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. Uh, you can't blame the entire BYU game on him because if they don't botch that play at the end, there's never an overtime for them to lose in. But if he hadn't made four or five bad mistakes True. it wouldn't have got to that point true but i mean if they win that game is he taking as much heat as he has i hate having to agree probably with not you. i hate i hate having to agree with you pat but i'm gonna go with i think 60 percent is fair too because i think it's more than half but i don't think it's it's quite two-thirds or three I might go 65 i say about half because it's still you're, you're gonna go one dollar bob I'm, I'm gonna go about half because it's still one percent <laughs> It's still, I think the offensive line still is limiting what you can do in the run game, so that's an issue. You've had turnovers that haven't all been Garantano, uh, and you've had the defense struggling in, on the line and in the secondary, so I, don't, I definitely think I mean, it's all on Garantano. The, def- the defense got lit up against Florida. Yes. They, almost had five, they could have had 500 yards if they and, wanted to. And this team's trying to play more aggressively and get pressure on the quarterback, but when you can't do that with a four-man rush, that makes everything tough on defense. Question quickly from Gaffney VFL 89 said, do you all think the Buffalo Bills cover the spread against the Pats this What's weekend? What's the spread? Pats minus seven. I'll take the Patriots to cover. <laughs> yeah, I'm now the the, 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 the Bills are the Bills are undefeated, but they, they haven't are. played anything like the Patriots yet. Uh, so they they get them at home. Buffalo's a, a nice stadium, and you know they can give people a tough time up there, especially when it gets super cold. Um, it's not super cold yet, though. Wes. But it's not super cold yet right now. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Pats with the spread by a couple more than that. I think maybe Pat, yeah, maybe Pat, around, maybe a two score game. The Pats show up when they're challenged. I, I like their chances in this one. Uh, another question from Blake Digits, who makes his first appearance on this podcast uh, this week, said, uh, does Tennessee go after the Gibbs running back that's committed to Georgia Tech? Also, have Croucher Harrison started a game besides uh, beside Daryl Toe this year? The answer to that one is no, they no. haven't. And they've been they in, played a lot. They've been in nickel some games, so they haven't even started two true outside linebackers in some games. But, um, but no, I, the, Tennessee has not offered Jameer Gibbs yet. Uh, Ohio State, Florida, and Wait. USC have, though, so... Um, that is that is worth noting that some other teams are going after him, but Tennessee's still evaluating. Wait, him. his name is Gibbs? I thought they said he played at Gibbs. No, no, Jameer Gibbs, okay. the running back that's committed to Georgia Tech. He's down in uh, Dalton, Georgia. So he, he's a guy that's put up some big numbers. That's, yeah, that, there's a lot of UT fans there. Plays it, plays it. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of buzz because of that uh, on some Tennessee message boards. I mean, Rocky tops media. their Rocky tops their freaking fight song basically. So, so yeah, that uh, he's worth keeping an eye on for sure. And Tennessee obviously needs a second running back, so that's why you've heard a lot about him. But no, no offer yet. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. But I know Tennessee at least evaluating him and that's the guy maybe they see here fairly soon to try to get an in-person evaluation we've got three or four more we're going to speed read through these because we got to get out of here for time's sake uh, but question from vol fan jeff if you need tennessee to win a game tomorrow does garantano at quarterback still give you the best chance second question what if you need to score on one drive is Ooh, it the same answer i like those questions my question <laughs> probably my, my answer to both of them is a very hesitant very defeated yes i i think it's uh honestly Best chance to win a game, I think, is Garantano. For one drive, I might say Maurer if if you hadn't been playing him before. That's the key. If you're using Maurer, try it. Yeah, try play. If you're using Maurer as a changeup, I think he can be very effective, like he was to start the game Saturday against Florida. Drove him straight down the field and got a field goal. So, 
That that would be my answer, but mostly, yeah, Garantano is still their best option. Question from Hain sixty two, and we're again we got to speed read through these final three or four here. Uh, question from Hain sixty two: Who would win a fight, a single kangaroo in its prime, or Craig Fitzgerald tag teamed with one of his staffers? Could be Fitz. Kangaroos uh, are pretty. Give big, me the though, kangaroo. Right? Those are some mean bastards. Yeah. Oh yeah, kangaroos yeah. are. You don't want to mess with a kangaroo. I don't want to mess with Fitz. I'll take the roo. They're pretty big. Yeah. Uh, question from UT Bull: uh, Is Harrison Bailey the real deal? Will he finally be a quarterback um, for Tennessee? They're um, freshmen all across the country playing well this season. Can Tennessee get how, freaking one of them on campus? How many interceptions did he throw last week? He threw. Right? He threw four. It wasn't last week. It was the week before. But against Grayson, close uh, enough. Yeah, yeah. Against Grayson High School, which obviously has a school with a lot of talent. Uh, the real deal is hard to say. I mean, it depends on what you, you mean. If you don't by say that. he's the real deal, you're going to accused of our being of hating him because they're twenty four seven. I think no, I, I think he's a nice prospect, and I think there is no way in hell I would bring less than two quarterbacks in this class, no matter what. Well, I, I think you want a second, but maybe even a transfer, ideally, because you need someone else who can come. Doesn't in matter and be to ready. me. Just bring in two. Yeah, I'll uh, go ahead and say that I, I already feel for the guy because the expectations are going unfair. Be so unfair for him. Yeah. And he's going to have to live up to him, and if he doesn't live up to him from day one, people are going to turn yeah. on him, and, and that's unfortunate for him that he's that's the. Here, you know the, what though? the hand he's going to be dealt when he gets here. If you want to be a quarterback at Tennessee, if you want to succeed, if you want to be a quarterback in the SEC, you know what you need—a whole lot of bravado. So yeah. you have to be able to overcome that. Well, he's, he's a confident kid. I, here's a—I I think he—he's ha- a very good prospect. I don't know that he's going to be ready to be a day one savior though, the way fans are going to be expecting. But he has a chance to be a successful SEC quarterback. Great question from DC Rocky Top. What the hell? Very good question. Very good question. I think that's... WTH. I think that's what we have all been thinking now for this season. That's a good question. Question from John Ward Style on the board. Uh, estimated number of Georgia fans at the upcoming game. I'm going to go with 30,000. Lots. Lots. I'll say 30. What'd you say, Wes? 30. Yeah, I say 30. Ryan, really? Sorry. I'll go 29. <laughs> $1, Bob. I'm going to say I think about 30 is probably about what it's going to be. Tennessee fans expecting them to take over the whole stadium. I think that's a little much. We but. already we already answered his second question, what will the linebacker rotation look like with Reed and Ignant out? We already discussed that a little bit. Batuli, uh, but, I think Batuli and Toa Toa played all but four snaps against Florida, yeah, by the way. They're going to play a lot if they're healthy. If not them, then Banks. And then if not that, then um, a wing and a prayer. Free JJ. Yeah, at that point you're going to have to, either him or Page or Beasley. Uh, and then Pruitt keeps referring to how the team continues to improve and mistakes uh, aren't due to a lack of talent, but poor execution. How close is this team to putting it all together? Not close. Not close yet. Um, we'll see. That's going to have to be a process, though. That's not going to happen in one week. That's not All their problems right now are, are not something you can just flip a switch and fix. Uh, last question I've got here from uh, UT Bull. Uh, I asked the question a few weeks ago in a thread about Jarrett Garantano. Given the past few weeks, I was hoping you could discuss. Uh, I asked if Garantano interacted with other players in practice because he seemed standoffish during games. There's very little talking to his O-line or wide receivers on the sideline when things break down or even when things are going good. Is this part of the problem? Is he seen as a leader by his teammates? I, I don't. I think the sideline demeanor thing is over. It's over analyzed. It's overanalyzed to a degree, but I do think that's something he's not a. It's not a strong suit of his, but that's not the reason he's struggling on the, the field. The yeah, I mean, I, and and that's not to say it doesn't matter, but I, I wouldn't say that that's the reason he's playing like he is because he's just playing poorly. Um, he and Pruitt even said after the Florida game that, you know, he needs to do a better job of, of getting his other guys involved and, and having a more positive impact on those guys. So. I lied. While we're while we're getting right out of here, I will uh, get to the one question from social media. Now the football season's over. What's the best fried chicken in Knoxville? I'm going with Chandler's. I, I'm guessing that Pat will probably answer. Um, just go ahead and say what I know you're going to say. What Gus's? Yeah, yeah. The best they had they had to bring in they had to bring in a Memphis <laughs> restaurant to have the best fried chicken here. Knew that was coming. Hashtag nine hundred one. Uh, I think that's fair to say. I think that's a probably Pat. Unless you have any other thoughts, I think that's, I don't. It's a pretty well, well. You can't say it yet. 
Well, that was that was two words. So technically it doesn't count. Thanks for tuning in this week. As always, guys, I think Ramey and I might have a, a hoops podcast later in the Good, week. Good, y'all need to stop being so deck and lazy. We're, we're going to hopefully get Mr. Grant Fat, especially. Mr. Fat and Lazy himself. We'll see if we can get that. If not, we'll have it early next week. But we'll we'll try to have a hoops podcast for y'all this hey, weekend. they started basketball practice. Yeah, they did. Got some questions about Plafsich, all kinds of stuff that we need to get to. In the meantime, uh, you can follow all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And the the fat, lazy Grant Ramey, or overweight Grant Ramey, is uh, is twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can also find all of us at twitter.com slash GoVoss 24-7, or you can go to the the wonderful Facebook page that, that Grant does most of the work on there, facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7, or if you want to drink water straight from the hose, you go to GoVols 247com the best site anywhere for Tennessee athletics coverage. I'll, I'll stake my reputation on that. Uh, we got right now a 30% off an annual subscription, so for less than, for per month, less than the price of one very mediocre lunch, you can get Tennessee coverage for an entire month. And I'm talking basketball, basketball recruiting, obviously football, football recruiting, baseball. I'm talking uh, women's basketball. I'm talking uh, softball, administrative coverage, anything you want, 24-7. That's why we're called 24-7 Sports. We'll be there. GoVols247.com. Go to the checkerboard, uh, which is like this podcast, but in written form pretty much all day, every single day. A lot of people cover Tennessee athletics well. We cover it the best, and I firmly believe that. Pat, any final thoughts? No.